Hi, good morning. You hear me okay? Wonderful. So my name's Andrew. I've been a member of this church for longer than I can remember. Um, I came here as a student and uh, stayed. Got a bit music on still. Um, okay. Thank you. So Ian referred to it already, but he did. Yesterday, I, I thought that I would be speaking on the post England victory, post Brexit Sunday. Oh, well, so let's take them one at a time. So, congratulations, as Ian said, to South Africa. And the Bible says that when one part of the body rejoices, we can all rejoice. But, but, when one part suffers, we all suffer, Paddy. <laughs> So we were a bit of pain going on around. I know some people, the rugby will just pass you by, but other people, it's, 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 a, it's a big thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other thing we were expecting, or some of us might have been expecting, that we might have left the European Union on the 31st of October. Now, obviously, it hasn't happened. Now, I'm very carefully going to steer away from the Brexit subject because I know people have strong views on that, but um, different views. But I do want to just ask you to pray for our nation, okay? We're now um, at the beginning of a general election campaign, and we had a great time here praying uh, yesterday um, at the church prayer meeting, and we really prayed into that whole election campaign. I want to ask you, church, to take up that responsibility. We're called to pray for those in authority. We're called to be salt and light in our nation, so please, just an encouragement to you to pray over these next five or six weeks. We have all different political opinions in here, and that's absolutely fine, that's normal. But let's pray that God, God's hand, is working behind, um, behind what's happening in the papers and in Parliament. Yeah, so that's a, a little introduction. So this morning, the title of my sermon, it might seem a little strange, but is The Distressed, The Indebted, and The Discontent. Doesn't that sound encouraging to you? <laughs> And it's not about the rugby, okay? Although some people might be distressed about that. Um, and very discontent as well, but never mind. So our heart as a church is to be a growing, charismatic family church with a world vision. So if you're new, not been here before, that is what we are looking to do. We want to be a church which is growing. We want to be a church which is charismatic. That's where the gifts of the Spirit are welcome. We use them both on a Sunday morning, in our groups, and on the streets as well. And we want to be a family church. We heard last week, Becca was speaking, I wasn't here, but about fellowship and the importance of being community together. And the last part of that vision is a world vision. God spoke to us a number of years ago. He said to us as a church, go to the nations and I will give you Durham. And as we've obeyed that word, God's been very faithful and we've seen ourselves in this building grow, so we're filling this building now. And we're getting to a point where God is going to give us, or well, he's already given us a new building. We have a challenge uh, to be in there and worshipping God in there. So some time ago, God spoke to us through Isaiah 54, verse 2, challenging us to prepare for growth, for revival that he's going to bring. So Isaiah 54.2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. 
Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. We believe that God has given this as a promise to us of what we need to do. And our vision for the, the unit opposite is in direct obedience to that word that we increase the space where we are. And God has promised us as a community great increase. So at the same time as that promise came, just going back in history for people who don't know, we were given the option of purchasing the Mike Ken building office here. And we completed that purchase this year and we're going to take possession of it by the end of this month when our tenant moves out. And we'll be converting that unit into the Emmanuel Centre. A new church and conference venue with an auditorium seating up to 500 people, a kitchen and toilet facility. So that is our vision for that unit and that's really our gift day here over this month is giving into that. And it is fantastic, but that's the building. And the building is only a tool, yeah? The, the building is there so that more people can come to Jesus, yeah? The building is there so more people can come and worship God. The building is important, but what we're looking for is that vision of the growth of people. So currently we're gathering about 250 people on a Sunday morning. Um, And in faith, we're looking for that to increase to 400. Some of you will have heard Alan sharing on his vision for 400 people. Alan has given this vision of 400 people worshipping God in that new building. It's not that that's where we end. We don't want to stop at 400, but that's really the, the next faith goal that God is giving us as a community for us to pray into. And that's the context, really, for what I want to speak into today. So if you just remember those things. So I'm going to speak today about growth, about how I believe that growth is going to come and how we need to respond in that season and what God asks of us. So, if you remember our vision to be a growing, charismatic family church with a world vision, I'm really going to be looking at that growing bit today. But the other elements are critical to how we grow. We have to be that family. And we need to use the gifts of the Spirit. And we need to be a church with a heart for the nations as well. So this morning I'm going to share a prophetic word that I brought first in August to the church. And when I brought that word, Alan asked me if I'd like to turn it into a sermon. Okay? Um, and he said if I didn't, he would do it, so I'm here. So Unfortunately, Alan, Alan isn't here this morning, but he'll be listening to it. So I hope you're doing well, Alan. So. Okay. So here goes. Jane, my wife, and I were watching television. Uh, it must have been in July now. And we watched a couple of programs which dealt with basically issues of poverty in our nation. One was called Canny Cops. I don't know if some of you may have seen that. Um, set in Horden. It dealt with um, a street which was very deprived. Uh, there was drug dealing going on there. And the police were trying to turn that situation around. But the other program that we watched was called uh, The Left Behind. I think it was on BBC Three. Some of you may have watched it. I think it first came out last year. And it dealt with really very poor uh, situation in, in Cardiff. And it dealt with a group of un- unemployed young adults. Okay, one of them uh, was living with his sister and their family in uh, accommodation. 
that wasn't permanent accommodation, and the sister was wanting to get permanent accommodation. So the council were able to find the sister accommodation for her family, but not for her brother. And this meant that this man became homeless. He basically had nowhere to stay. And the story followed him and his friends as they became increasingly disillusioned with the housing system, what the council was trying to do. In the end, what they turned to was violence. And they actually ended up uh, firebombing uh, a Muslim halal restaurant. And one of the guys was arrested and he was charged with murder. And this was a really hopeless situation. It really got me in my heart. It really made me feel, you know, is this how people are living with no hope? with nothing to look forward to. They haven't got jobs, they haven't got homes. It really touched my heart. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a passage of Scripture. And if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to that passage. It's in 1 Samuel. And this passage, I was just reminded of it because it talks of people who were in a similar situation to these uh, people in this, in this TV programme. Just turn, it's 1 Samuel 22, uh, verse 1. We've got that on the screen as well, yeah. Thank you. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him there. And when I read this passage in that context, in the context of our vision, something in my heart just, boom, I'm excited, you know. It speaks of John the Baptist, how he leapt in the womb when he heard about Jesus. It was like, that, oh, the Holy Spirit was leaping with inside me because I, I thought, 400, 400. And um, I really felt stirred in my spirit that, that God was speaking to me and to us as, to us as a church through this passage. Um, that, that God wants to do something amongst us. Um, he wants us to increase, but I believe this passage was giving us perhaps a key or a way that this is going to happen for us and we need to sort of look at it and, and pay attention. So for David, these people came to him. They were in distress, they were in debt, and they were discontent. And I do believe that this is the way that we will find growth. There will be people coming through our doors who are like this like the people I saw in that, um, that drama, people who don't have hope, they're unemployed, they are maybe homeless. We know that we're doing, doing work uh, with a night shelter over Christmas. And I, I believe that God is stirring us to say, well, if that's what's going to happen, are we ready? How can we prepare ourselves? How can we prepare our hearts for that? And I think it's, a great, it's an encouragement that God says he's bringing people to us. But it also, it presents us with a huge uh, challenge as well, because we know that, I guess if we look inside ourselves, we don't have the resources. We're perhaps not very good at dealing with people that we don't know. Particularly people who are perhaps a bit different from us, people who are in trouble. It's not everybody that can do that, but I believe that Jesus, as he lives in us, can change each one of us so that we can be like him. And we, he can be those that are going to welcome in the people that he wants to bring, bring to us. I shared this, I think it was early August, and it came after a prayer meeting. We've been really looking at this prayer meeting about how we as a church need to be. And I really felt challenged that as a church, 
we can do two things. Either we have people come to us who are di you know, in difficult situations, we expect them to change their lives. Literally, as they walk through that door, we expect them to turn their life around and be just like us. They've got it all sorted. We haven't all got it sorted. I know that's true <laughs> to myself. But we expect them to, to have a measure of change as they walk through the door. But that's not the way it is. People don't walk through the doors there and miraculously change, usually. Yeah, cause they walk through the doors and they are the same person they were when they were outside the building. Yeah? Yeah? They need us to accept them as they are. So the change has to be in us, initially, not in them. So we need to be that welcoming community that they find when they come through those doors. I just want to go back to the passage and, and think how David felt in this situation. Okay? Some of you may know the, the story, um, but David is on the run. David of David and Goliath fame. David defeated Goliath. Then he became a commander in the king's army. He had many victories. Uh, he worked with, alongside Saul, who was the king. But Saul became very jealous. David was a threat to his kingship. And Saul tried to kill him. He had a spear. He threw the spear at David. He tried to pin him to the wall. David had to go on the run because his life was in, under danger. It was in threat. His, his life was on the line. He had to get out of that situation. So David in this passage is on the run. David has been to the Philistine city of Gath, which is actually where Goliath was from. He's actually in the heart of the enemy's territory. He's, been, he's gone to those lengths to try and dis disappear, but he's left that place and he's come to this cave at Adullam. David himself is not necessarily in the, the best place at this time. He's on the run. And then suddenly, 400 people turn up on his doorstep. And I had that image, I don't know if some of you were here, when we were talking about Alan. We're celebrating Alan's uh, 30 years in eldership. When, um, for a trick, people at the Bible Week all lined up outside his tent asking for prayer. And somebody, some of you were here. So we were pretending they had all these problems. So he looked out of his tent and there's a long queue of people and there's a picture because Rachel put it on something, didn't you? Um, on Facebook, maybe? Yeah, of people queuing up outside his door. I think it's a little bit like that. But there's all these people queuing up and saying, well, why have you come to me? <laughs> David's on the run, but 400 people who are discontent, who are distressed, have turned up on the step of his cave. Because he's in a cave, he's hiding. And what does he do? It's like, well, what's all this about? And, and you know, why have they come? <laughs> they've come, I believe they came to David because they've heard of David's reputation. David was the anointed king. Yeah? David was going to be the king. And I believe people will come to us because not necessarily of our reputation, because of Jesus' reputation. There is a king yeah, that they want to seek. David is, a, is like an example of Jesus. So those people heard the claim that a type of Christ. A, Jesus is like David, David is like Jesus, in that David is, is an anointed king and Jesus is the anointed king. And people were coming to David because they saw in him the hope of a coming kingdom. There was a new kingdom coming, which was David's kingdom. And we're also looking for that new kingdom to come. But I think I just want to deal perhaps with how we might feel ourselves. We feel there's so much going on in our own lives. How can we deal with what's going on? We're struggling ourselves. So David, when he was in the cave, um, I think wrote a number of psalms. If you look through psalms and you look at the bits at the top, it says, from the, from the cave. Um, psalms, 
142. You don't need to turn to this, but I'll, I'll read out two verses. Verse 4 and verse 6. Verse 4 says, Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Verse 6. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. So David is in that place. And there was that word shared by, by Tim earlier on. People who are in a difficult place. So David was in a, a really difficult place. But if you read the verse in between verse 4 and 5, it says this. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So David, in the middle of that, in the middle of that desperation, was looking to God. He was his refuge. It's interesting, the verse before says, I have no refuge, and the next verse says, I have a refuge. So our emotions don't always deal with the reality, but that's how we feel, and that's how, that's how we should be. We should express ourselves to God. But he says, you are my refuge, my portion, and my, uh, my portion in the land of the living. So David himself was struggling. And I know that there'll be many here, include myself in that, we're struggling. We struggle with issues. We struggle with, we're still struggling with, we're struggling with sin. We're struggling with attitudes. We're struggling with our identity in Christ. We're struggling maybe with relationships. Because life isn't easy. We are a work in progress. Okay? And at work, somebody posted a brilliant, brilliant quote, which I really loved. Because we're called to be, you know, victors those who overcome everything. And this person said, where are you at the moment? I'm mid-conquer. <laughs> I just love that. Because that's where, I believe that's where we are. We're mid-conquer. We're not, you know, we are conquering. Let's have that attitude that we're in the middle of it. But we are going to conquer if we continue to trust God. We're mid-conquer. And David is in that kind of situation. And I believe that as those 400 people came to David, though we're facing battles like David was himself, as people see us, ourselves, looking to God in those situations, they will find an example of what it is that they're looking for. A people who are looking, not to themselves, not inward, not necessarily to each other, though we do help each other, but primarily to God, because he is the only one who can help us. And as I believe David did that, those men saw something that they wanted, and they remained with him. If we look further through uh, Samuel, those men stuck with him all the way through. They became his commanders, the mighty men that you might have read about. They did amazing things. They became the core of his army, and basically they were at the heart of his kingdom going forward. So I believe that as we are able to welcome people, that we will see those that come in changed, and they will be ones who will be transformed and become key people in his army, those who are going to be able to use, sorry, those used by him to reach even more people than we can ever imagine. So we've got a great opportunity um, as we welcome people in. Last year, I don't think Richard and Barbara are here today, are they? No? Richard and Barbara Davis, their son Nathan was here for a conference. I'm not quite sure whether it was the prophetic one or, or the one we've marked upon, but Nathan Day brought a, a significant word to us. I don't know if people have heard it, but basically the word was this. He said, 
you as a church or your building is in a kind of unusual place. It's in an out-of-the-way place. We're on an industrial estate. We're not like a church in the middle of town, but you're in an out-of-the-way place. But God is going to bring many people through your door. And the words he used were, the footfall will be bizarre. So that means there will be an unusual amount of people coming into your doors um, over that period. And that was a real encouragement to us as a church that, that God is going to do something quite significant amongst us. And I really feel that word is tied into the word that, that I, I got in August, that God wants to bring to us those people who are in difficult situations, distressed, those people who are in debt. And I know that we have uh, people that can help people who are in debt. Um, there'll be people whose lives not just materially, financially in debt, but obviously we know the debt, other debt, the debt of sin, the biggest debt. Uh, people have come in that situation and people who are discontent. And I find the discontent one a little bit hard to unwrap because in some ways it's good to be discontent. We all want to be changing. We want to, to sort of get better. We want to be more like Jesus. But in some ways there's a discontent, I think, which is deeper, but almost like life has left me discontent. I'm just My heart is just gone to a place which is, is, is not right. And I think God, God wants those kind of people to come in. Okay. So what I'm aware of, as a church, we are doing an increasing amount of stuff with, with the poor. You know, We're working in the night shelter, we've got make lunch, we've got food banks, and I know there's lots of other things that people do that I'm not going to remember. But I think as a church, what we're doing is, is fantastic. And I think we just need to just be open. God, I think I believe that in part will be how people come. Because as we make those connections into the communities, and our Christmas Sunday, we saw that wonderful presentation, um, as people find out about what's happening here, they will come. But we just need to, I just want to encourage us as a church, let's just do that more and more. We're doing, we're doing well, it's not like we haven't started, but there's, there's more we can do. God really wants to give us that heart um, for everybody, particularly, I believe, for people who are in the worst of situations. I just want to think about how we should respond to when people come, okay? Three, three things, and if you find it easier to have a, a letter to help you remember something, I'll do this. If you don't, just ignore it. The first one is a welcome, okay? The second one is a worshipping community, and the third one is a warrior king, okay? I'll explain what they all are in a minute, but that's what I think we, we need to be doing. <coughs> so, a welcome to people a worshipping community which they can come into, and an introduction to a warrior king. So David was a warrior king, but the greater warrior king is Jesus, yeah? Jesus defeated death, defeated sin, defeated all the power of the enemy. He's the one that they need most of all. So a welcome. So our first response to people should be a loving welcome. Like the, the father in the story of the prodigal son, you know, arms open, running to greet them. As Jesus welcomed the little children, he told his disciples who were trying to stop them coming to him, no, let them come to me. Let them come to me. And he blessed them. We need to have that willingness to accept anyone. And I've been quite touched by hearing John's sermon, I think from September, talking about accepting people who are dealing with various issues in their lives. So they may be having problems with their sexuality or their gender. Um, we need to be welcoming people wherever people are at. We need to have that open arms anybody who comes. 
John also used the, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery. I'd, I'd already written this before. He, he read, listened to that. But it's, it's the attitude of Jesus that somebody caught in the worst of sin, in the worst position, Jesus is able to welcome and say, go sin no more. Everybody else was saying, what's well, a person? But no, people should find the greatest welcome in the church. It should be the most welcoming place on earth. It should be the place where people can come whatever they've done, however they feel, should not feel judged or condemned, but they should feel welcome. But to do this, I want to talk practically, okay? So on a Sunday morning, we're here. Now, how do we do it? We need two things, I believe. Discipline and awareness. So discipline, I mean, what I mean by that is we need just to be conscious what we're doing on a Sunday morning. It's very easy just simply to talk to our friends. And I'm probably guilty of that as, as much as anybody else, but we need to be disciplined enough to see if there's somebody who's new here. Just discipline to have that always in our head. Is there somebody there that I need to speak to? And we also need to have courage because some of us, or a lot of us, don't easily talk to people that are new. So we need to have the courage to make that walk maybe six metres or six yards to that person who's standing on their own, may never have been here before, and just say hello. That doesn't have to be complicated. Say hello, I'm Andrew, I'm, you know, I'm Ian. You know, how are you? Very easy. But that can make all the difference. I just want to share a bit of my story um, from when I first came. I'm glad that we've got Jonathan and Sandy here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Um, they were in the church when I first came, and they'll know the person I'm talking about. Some of you also will know the person I'm talking about. When I came to Durham as a student, I had the unusual situation that somebody had told me, don't go to Emmanuel. (laughs) (laughs) That's the background, okay? So don't go there. Good advice, no, not good advice. But anyway, they give me that advice. So first term, I came to Durham, and I tried some of the other churches. I did come to Emmanuel once, but I, I didn't stay. And after two terms, I was in a bit of turmoil, because I come from a I came from an Anglican church that was charismatic and I didn't find any church that was similar to that at all. And I was wrestling really with what to do. I went home to my church down in London um, and was prayed for. Um, Powerfully, God slayed me in the spirit, so that's when you fall over in the power of the spirit. And I felt God say to me, go where my power is. And for me, that was, I knew what that meant. It doesn't mean that God's power isn't in other places, but for me, that was a clear, I want you to go to Emmanuel. So, okay, yeah. Next term, came to Manuel, first, uh, first Sunday. Came in, walked up the front um, at the end because there was a call for prayer. I was prayed for and fell over in the spirit again. <laughs> and God was moving in my life powerfully. And when I got up from that, um, I think the person who's actually just sitting behind me uh, was a guy called Ian Wilkinson. Now, you guys will know him. And there'll be a few other people here who, who know Ian. Ian's since moved uh, away. He's now living in Texas. Um, but he welcomed me. He got to know me. Um, he invited me into his home. And we became very good friends. In fact, he became my best man. He was my best man at my wedding. Um, but it was just that very simple act of him speaking to me that very first Sunday. Um, I can't remember what the words were, but I know that he did. And I know that out of that came a friendship, um, which led to me being here 30 years later. And I just want to encourage you that you don't know the impact that you will have when you speak to somebody on a Sunday morning. You don't know. It might be a person who's only going to be in this building once in their life. Yeah? Or it might be somebody who's going to be here for 30 years. I really want to encourage us to make practical steps, to make a decision that we will 
look out for those who are among us. Because if God's going to do as he says here, bring increasingly more people, it's going to mean more of us need to do the welcoming. It's, just, it's a logical, logical thing. So we need to be open to people. I also just want to encourage us to, to welcome people from other nations. We have so many people from different nations here. It's wonderful. And that's what the church is meant to be like. I just, just want to encourage us. The Bible is very clear that we're meant to treat what the Bible calls aliens and strangers. Now, we might use the word foreigner as a better word, somebody from a different country. Alien makes you think of E.T. or something like that, if you're as old as I am. Um, but the Bible is very clear that we should be treating those who are coming from different countries exactly the same as those who are living in our country. And I think that's something our culture is beginning to lose. So I, w- I want to challenge us. I know that we're good at doing this, but let's really be making an extra effort with those people who are coming from, from different nations and here for different reasons. A lot of people come here to study, but people here for, for other reasons. It's really important that we are welcoming people across the world because we will enrich us as a church. We will really grow for that. Good. Secondly, um, we want to be, and we are, but we want to be a worshipping community. And I think what God wants to do, and this is, again, perhaps prophetic for the church, as we move into that new unit, I believe God wants to take us to a, a different level with that. I think God wants us to, to just get closer to him. Now, interestingly, that wonderful song, you know, One Day in Your Courts, better than a thousand elsewhere. And that really describes the heart, I think, what God wants us to have as a church, as a community. He wants us to be people who are in love with Jesus. It's very simple, but in in many ways it's not easy with all the distractions of life. But I really want to encourage us, and especially people leading worship, they're doing a great job, and we just, there is so much for us to to get into in that. I really believe that God has for us over there perhaps something different. It's, It's hard to perhaps understand that, but I believe, if we go back to the story of David, if you remember, David was a worshiper. All right? And David, I believe, would worship God when he was in that cave. He would worship God when he was on the run. I believe that those men who were with him would have heard this fierce warrior singing or these songs to God. And they thought, well, how does that tie up? It's like your England rugby team <laughs> singing, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It doesn't quite connect, does it? You know, how does that work? But there's, in the heart of God, that's what it is. God in a man called David, who had a, an incredible ability to fight, also had this ability to worship. And I believe that part of those men being transformed, those people being transformed, was because they came into a, a community of worship. Um, I believe it was almost an embryonic community, so a, a community <coughs> in the womb, in a sense. That um, If you look further on uh, in the story, David set up at the tabernacle, uh, day and night worship. So there was worship there, 24 hours a day. He he appointed many people to worship. But I believe that in that cave, it was there in in embryo stage. David was already there because the heart of worshipping was there. The worshipper with the heart for God was there. And I, I really believe that one of the main things that will transform the people who come into us is as they come into a worshipping community. Because we don't have a special social services department, we don't have the ability to deal with everybody's problems. And again, as Tim was saying, he doesn't have the resources in himself. We as a church aren't set up to deal with every, everybody's 
problems, but we can bring people into a place of worship where they meet God, who has all the resources of heaven, all the ability that they need. And if we can bring people into that place where they can worship, and they can see that we are worshipping, then I really believe that they will meet God and they will be transformed. So finally, if I can find it, this warrior king. So the final thing I really believe that we need to be doing with these people is enabling them to have an encounter with the king. That is what it's all about. Each one of us who believe in Jesus have had a, an encounter with Jesus. Yeah? And we want to provide a place where that's going to happen. A place, not just a physical place, but an environment where anyone with any problem can come in and meet God, basically. And in the story of David, David was the person who they were coming to be joined to. But in our experience, it's Jesus So we want people to be able to come into us and meet with Jesus. Yeah? And that's by having that environment of worship. But I also believe as part of that worship, as we're a charismatic church, God wants us to grow in the gifts of the Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit are ways that God speaks to people. So there might be a word of knowledge that is the thing that cuts to somebody's heart and helps them come to know Jesus. It might be a healing. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about an unbeliever coming into the church while everybody is prophesying and being convicted of their sin. And he exclaims, God is really among you. Yeah? That's really what we want. The people, as they come into our midst, that's what they say. God is really among you. They know his presence. I'm going to finish in a minute, but just to look a little bit forward in this story, because these 400 people came to David. How do we know that they didn't turn around the next day and go away because he was busy with God in the corner? (laughs) But no, if you read on in the story, David was told by a prophet to leave the cave and he went to, to live in a forest and he moved around as Saul was chasing him. But what it says later on, it says, David and the 600 men with him. Oh, 600 men! So the 400 were already there, but they gathered another 200. And I feel that God's saying that we have got a vision of 400, yeah? but we want to look beyond that to the 600 or whatever God's got for us. So God, God has a plan. God has a plan for us that we need to press into. And as I said earlier, that 600 became the foundation of his army. If we look at the need that we have around us in our nation, and particularly in this county, it is a very poor county, and Durham is probably the richest place in this county. There's huge, huge need here. And I don't believe God wants us to stay as we are. We have a mission to this county beyond to reach those who are distressed, those who are in debt, those who are discontent, those who are struggling with life. I just want to widen it out really. It's it's not perhaps just those obvious ones, but we know that many people are struggling with mental health these days. It's become more prevalent. Perhaps there's always been a problem. We know that, but it's more prevalent. People are struggling. People are struggling with 
relationship breakdown, so marriage breakdown, the impact on both partners, but the impact on the children. And also, people are being abused. There's a, there's a huge abuse in our societies. We've got emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. And I don't want to take any of those lightly. They're, they're in any situation, I know there will be people who struggle with those issues, but the need is, is great. It's significant. But our God is greater and our God is able yeah, to meet each of those needs as those people come to us. And as we meet them with love, yeah, we just be ourselves, welcome them in. Welcome into a community where God is being worshipped, where we're looking upwards to him. Yeah. Introduce them to the king. The most important thing, introduce them to Jesus. Say, look, I, this is my story. I've met Jesus. I haven't got the ability to change your situation. But I know somebody who does. Here's Jesus. Believe in him. And maybe this morning, there's somebody here who's in that position. You, you have never ask Jesus to be uh, the Lord of your life and to forgive you your sin. If that's you then this morning, I really would encourage you to do that. You can come and speak to me afterwards or to, to one of the elders. Uh, please do that. So, I just want to finish and two things I'd like to do at the end. I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for all of us that we can respond to God. So if God's going to do this, we need his help. We need to ask him to help us. But secondly, I would like an opportunity for anybody who feels currently in a position where you are in distress. I would like you to have the opportunity to receive prayer. We have a, uh, a, a ministry team who will be over this side of the, of the building and they will pray for you. They'll be willing just to pray into your situation. Whether you want to tell them about it or not, they will pray into that situation. Because we do believe God can change things. Okay, so um, I'd also like the band to come back as well. We'll, we'll, we'll sing in a minute, but I just want to, to pray for us all first. Okay? <coughs> These are the words um, Jesus used from Isaiah when he stood in the synagogue. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. So if we could just all stand, I'd just like to pray for us now. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here today. Thank you you're here with each of us. And Lord, I thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your prophetic word. Lord, I thank you for all you're doing amongst us. But Father, I want to pray for us as a, a community that you would help us to respond to you. Father, as you bring people to us who are in difficult circumstances, Lord, I pray that you would help us to love them. Help us to welcome them. Help us to include them in our lives, in our communities, Lord. And Lord, we want to pray that as we do that, all the glory will go to you. Lord, that your name will be lifted high in this place. 
that you'll be glorified, Lord, and lives will be transformed for your glory. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that you are a good God. We love you, Lord, and we long to see your kingdom come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if we could sing Jesus, my living hope. this morning and as, as, as we're singing that if you feel you would like prayer for anything anything perhaps I've touched on this morning your circumstance if you're somebody who's never come to know Jesus uh, please come this morning but particularly those who feel distressed I just want to remind you again of the word that Tim brought if, if you're feeling in your, in your mind um, that, that things aren't, aren't going well if, if you're struggling then please please come and seek prayer um, and we will pray with you thank you